0: Is this a trauma bond or is this love? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with real recovery. You doing,
1: I'm good. Hey, question for you. Okay, like, do, do you consider yourself a redneck? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, why do you ask that? Well, because you're a dichotomy in so many ways. Okay, o- why is on that? one hand, you're like a total metrosexual. Like, do <laughs> you dress good, well groomed? This, but like, all you do is like wander around in the mountains and like look for shed horns and um. Maybe it just shows your well-roundedness.
0: No, uh, I, I think this is your way of making fun of me right now. But <laughs> actually, if to answer your to answer your question, I actually I'm I think I'm a cowboy at heart, but we were raised in the city and it shows. So it's <laughs> it's like I, I would rather spend my time outside in the mountains doing things, but I don't really have the full skill set yet. And so, in fact, in fact, I had a I had one of my like YouTube videos kind of go a little bit viral and it's me talking about my hunting experience. Now my hunting experience started when we were adults. So you can kind of tell that I'm pretty new to the hunting world. So the people who are seasoned hunters are making fun of me calling me a city boy. And the people who don't know what hunting <laughs> like is are like, "Well, oh, that, that guy doesn't reason. know what he's doing. He's like he's a wimp."
1: The, <laughs> exactly. the, the real hunters.
0: Exactly. But at heart, that's I I'm a, at heart I'm a cowboy, I think. So
1: anyway, <laughs> So so basically, what we've what we summarize this is you're a wannabe cowboy. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, I'm just kidding with you. Yeah. So, so, anyways, <laughs> um, we digress. Let's yeah. come back. We got a great right. guest on with us today, uh, Nikki. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh,
1: thanks for enduring our little um, conversation <laughs> there with us. Um, so, Nikki, if we could shift gears and get into what's going on with you. Um, Just fill us in, give us a little bit of background, what's happening, and then ask any questions that you have.
2: So in order for me to, for you guys and the audience to understand without giving much detail and derailing my story and giving, you know, having my trauma come up and just be all over the place. I would like to read an excerpt from the book, The The Emotionally Destructive Marriage by Leslie Vernick. And this basically describes what I lived. It goes like this, most people who brainwash use methods similar to those of prison guards who recognize that physical control is never easy accomplished without the cooperation of the prisoner. The most effective way to gain that cooperation is through subversive manipulation of the mind and feelings of the victim who then becomes a psychological as well as a physical prisoner. In other words, if you want to control over someone, play mind games with her and emotional manipulation, create confusion of what's real and what's true, isolate her from others, keep her up late, don't let her sleep, badger her until she gives in, threaten to hurt her, her children, her pets, her possessions, her reputation, tell her God is on your side, degrade her, humiliate her and enforce trivial demands, refuse responsibility and instead blame, accuse and attack. Control the money so she has no resources and is completely dependent on you for everything and keep her ambivalent about leaving the marriage by peri- periodically performing small acts of kindness. Bring home her flowers, her favorite flowers, clean up the kitchen or allow her to go out with her friends. That will keep her grateful for your gestures as she will try to make things better. It stokes her hope fantasy that someday things will be different. These tactics to gain control over others are used by the military and prisoners of war and are so effective, effective that religious cults use them to keep their members compliant. They should never be used in a marriage. They work at systematically destroying the personhood of the other, leaving her in a diminished capacity to resist, to break free or to think clearly on her own. When a woman starts to wake up from her dream of loving marriage and realizes that she's trapped in a nightmare, she feels desperate. She often slides into a dark depression, but sooner or later, little by little, she must start to fight and claw her way free from her husband's oppres- oppressive control if she's going to survive. She now understands she's being captured, muzzled, restricted like a child, and buried alive, and she must fight for her physical, emotion, mental, and spiritual health. Once a woman starts to fight back, her rage and hurt often get expressed in sinful and destructive ways. She may appear irrational, ungodly, unstable, controlling, mean, and even a little crazy to those who don't know the whole story of what she's been through and what she lives with. So that's how I would describe what I lived. And this is uh, from the report of Amnesty International of how prison guards work. On top of the triangulation with females, the lusting uh, after other females, uh, from the beginning, uh, the triangulation with his ex-girlfriend till the end of when I actually left, because I separated to the lusting of a coworker, which was the third coworker that happened, which his thoughts were, and he confessed this eight months after he had been lying to me and saying I was wrong, because of course I'm a woman and I know there was something wrong. And he said that he thought she could give him children because throughout this uh, story that I had with this person, I got pregnant with a tumor. I couldn't even bear children. I got pregnant with a tumor. I had chemotherapy and I'm so seven years older than him. So for him to think these types of things, it really hurts. Yeah. because they're always younger than me, you mm-hmm. know, they're prettier quote unquote than me, but you know, it's all vanity and vanity. You know what proverbs say about that. But
1: so, Nikki, how how long you been married?
2: Uh, married seven together eight years, going to be nine next year or something
1: like okay, that. Okay, together eight or nine years. Um, and the relationship with what you just read, you would say the relationship has been basically that most of the time.
2: It escalated to be that. He always used control over me in in very small ways until the end of it where um, I would be lectured for hours of how I'm capable of speaking about my faith or about something that I did that, you know, I could be there sitting for two, three hours with his word salad and I would be like, I'm thirsty, later, I'm hungry, later. You know, so I wouldn't be able to eat or if I didn't say something that he would deem good, you know, he would badger me in my room uh, until late hours, pull my sheets. He would come over at the end and just, you know, because I would start yelling and be like, leave me alone. And he would cover my mouth and just, you know, be on top of me, in brute force and be like, you know what?
1: So I he'd, need- f- he'd physically assault you.
2: He did, um, sh- uh, yank me. And uh, one of the trips we had to Vancouver, my arm got messed up. He refused, a uh, medical attention to your, me. Your
1: your arm got messed up by him doing something to you, yank yank me. Uh, by him yanking your arm, my shoulder, he your yanked shoulder. me to the okay. front
2: and my shoulder, it just recovered like a month ago. This was July last year.
1: Okay. Has he ever hit you?
2: No, but what I used to tell him is that I would have preferred being hit so I could show my bruises because mental stuff that he did to me was far more worse because my body started having, I'm going to call it a pain, even though I don't want to call it like that because I, you know, I've been working with my brain. So my body relaxes for like five years now um, on my side where my liver is. Um, I felt like it was going to burn and explode. And I've been in the ER and they're like, you have nothing. I've been to doctors in Mexico and they're like, well, you have some colitis, but it's like, okay. And they've given me morphine. Nothing helps it until now that I'm away.
1: So current status of your relationship is that you're separated, correct?
2: I moved out um, December the 12th, moved to another province as far as I could. Um, And right now we're in no contact because I don't want to talk to him. However, he's coming to visit at the end of the month.
1: So you're still together, technically, but he's separate from you, but you're still in a marriage, in a relationship. The The plan isn't to divorce or you're not going down that road yet.
2: The plan for me is to get divorced. I want the 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 later relationship that to me was completely destructive done. Like I, I want closure with that. And at the end of this year, because we need a year of separation, we are going to get divorced. I want the divorce. And if yeah. if he shows some change, we might start from zero. But I don't want to continue to be married to the monster that I married.
1: Okay.
0: Right. So, so with all of that, uh, and then maybe there's some more discussion we need to have on trauma bonding. Nikki, I'd like to just kind of bring you into kind of the question that we started with today too. It sounds like you're, it sounds like you're making some pretty good decisions. You're doing some pretty solid work, but you're also, you, you know, you were kind of talking about, is this love or is this trauma bonding? And maybe we could kind of get into that a little bit. And and maybe I want to just ask you, your goal is to, as of right now, if things aren't changing, you are going to move on. You're not going to stay in the relationship.
2: I don't know that because I'm a believer and I know, like, I believe in Christ and grace. And I don't think worldly people can change as easy, but people that believe in the power of Christ can. <clears throat> and He has shown remorse. I just don't know if it's real or if it's you know a part of his act to so, get
1: so, yeah p- part of the abuse cycle is showing remorse do you understand that so part of the cycle of abuse is uh, this this stage of remorse um and the, and the, are you familiar with the abuse cycle
2: Absolutely. Um, but he only showed the type of remorse I wanted to see until I left, until until he saw my stuff being packed in a box. That's the type, you know, not yeah, before. Then,
1: then the remorse will come and then the buildup will happen. The incident will happen. The apology will come again and the remorse will come again. And it goes on and on and on. Um, and And, and so... You know, and, and that remorse can feel and and c- can be genuine. Like I feel really, really bad about what I've done. But what with an abuser, what what happens is they have remorse, and the partner's like, "Well, okay, okay, I feel bad. I, I'm a believer, and I'm supposed to forgive and all these things. But what you need to see out of an abuser who feels remorse is them kick into gear to do some some real work on themselves to make sure that they never do that again. That they, so, so they're doing their own therapy, they're stepping into their stuff so that they, they make sure that they don't even come close to that. When all they do is say sorry, and all they do is feel bad, and all they do is, yeah, yeah, don't leave me, don't leave me. It's coming again, Nikki. And 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 that's like Tyler, what I'm feeling, and tell me if I'm wrong here, is I'm feeling, Nikki, what I'm feeling from you is a complete lack of safety, emotional, physical, um, just just even sexual and like a complete lack of safety. And so you're trying to get your feet grounded somewhere, but knowing that he's coming to visit you again and knowing that the relationship is still out there, it's hard to get grounded and feel powerful and peaceful when there's such a lack of safety going on in your life. Tyler, are you sensing that too?
0: Yeah, I'm hearing that.
1: And maybe this gets to
0: the heart a little bit of that idea of what trauma bonding is and, and maybe I would just like to talk about that. So our listeners can all be on the same page with this too, with what Nikki's talking about. So when we look at, when we look at like trauma bonding, there's a couple of things. Here's a couple of definitions we can kind of go over. And I think it comes around to what you're getting at, Brandon. So um, one definition of trauma bonding, and there's a couple key elements to this is the cycle of being devalued and then rewarded over and over again, and it works over time to create a strong chemical and hormonal bond between a victim and the abuser. So, in essence, there's two things that happen. There's systematic de like devaluing, which Nikki, you actually just outlined several different modes of being devalued inside of. Basically, this relationship gaslighting on steroids. Yeah, big yeah. time. And he and she was just she's she just described all sorts of it. She described physical, she described mental, she described emotional, she described sexual, she described all sorts of different ways that this devaluing is happening. And and then intermittently, meaning not all the time, but just enough. And this is the strongest way to reinforce things. Intermittently being met with like some type of a reward an apology or some warmth or some, kind- love, or some affection or some kind of kindness Please Don't and,
1: leave me. You're amazing. Yeah. I
0: want you. And what happens is, is the body chemically, then because of all of that chemical stuff going on between the two things, the body chemically bonds, you know, even emotionally to the person who's actually do, been doing the abusing too, because of all the good stuff that they're giving, kicking back to. And that's where, People would then ask the question, well, I love him. Like, I I actually love him, even though I know it's not healthy. And then it feels really, really hard to get out of the situation because there's that little bit of payoff that's been coming that reminds you that, oh, like, I like what I get here sometimes. And there's all these possibilities of how good it could be if just this, this, or this, or this. And then people stay and in the meantime they get devalued further and further and further and eventually they kind of lose sense of themselves and then they don't even feel like they could leave if they needed to mm-hmm. and so that's that's kind of what trauma bonding is and i think i think part of the confusion happens because there are elements of being attached and connected which feels like i mean that's that's one that's one version or a definition of love so in one sense, I do love this person. Well, and that, and that's, it's not
1: healthy. That's where the victim of abuse, like really gets stuck of, hang on, I'm the one here that's supposed to have boundaries and walk away. And that's not godly. I should be, I should be forgiving. I should be kind. I should give him another chance. I should, you know, and from, from an outsider's perspective, as when you, when you hear the whole story, it's like, no, what you need to do is protect yourself, love yourself and get away from this person who's hurting you. Um, I don't believe that Jesus wants you to put yourself in harm's way again, out of, out of, uh, you know, we're trying to forgive or trying to be kind. Um, so does that Nikki, what are you thinking?
2: So obviously this person is not all an ogre. Like mm-hmm. he has excellent traits that, um, you know, bond very well with my personality as well. So when we're having excellent times, we're having excellent times. And this is why it's so confusing. Um, He has joined two programs and he has a psychologist. But I just don't know if he's just doing that to to get me back. You know, I don't know if that type of person has the capability of really having empathy, because something that I. That scared me the most is that I didn't see any natural empathy with him. Like he would just, he's a good actor, he's a good performer. Um, in bed with socially, because he went to an excellent university, to the best schools. He's very eloquent. And he, if you know him like a random person in the street, you'll be his friend forever because he's attentive in time. He has three jobs. Like, you know, he's a model citizen for what you would think you know and he he can memorize scripture he knows all the scripture back and forth because he was also raised as a Jewish person so he understands things and it's just where do I fit all this abuse in with a person like this like is he just because because I also read the book from um Lundy why does he do that Mm-hmm. And all the excuses that I gave for him, like, oh, he had a terrible childhood. Oh, his mom, was like, th- there's no excuse. I also lived a horrific time when I was a kid. I was abused by my dad. He would, was murdered when I was six. You mm-hmm. know, um, my mom and I developed for what I understand in the past weeks and enmeshment. And, you know, my ex was right because he always told me this, you know, he was right. But I didn't understand what that was because my brain was busy trying to understand this marriage. So I also lived horrible things, but I don't go around treating people like this. So so where is the line of, oh, well, you know, they live their own sour life and they have things to work where, no, I have proved that he was cruel. It was cruelty. Like I remember at the beginning, I would tell him, you're so mean. And this was a repetitive. You're so mean and you're mean and you're mean. And then it became cruelty. You know, so how can a person that have all that, you know, I guess you would want to label as a narcissist. I don't even know anymore. Like I don't have time to sit with a psychologist. Has he ever taken tests? I'm no one to say what his deal is, but what I do know is what I lived. But, but Nikki, this is
1: so, so this is interesting because you bringing up your own childhood trauma, um, it muddies the waters a little bit about, about your truths and, and who you are, because he can be, he can be a great person who's a horrible partner. Like he, he can be a good person. If Tyler and I were to talk to him, I'm sure we would love him. Like, because we would see the good in him and he's a son of God and he's a good man. And he's all those things. And he can be a piece of crap partner who breaks your boundaries and breaks and and has deal breakers that say, this doesn't work for me to be in an intimate relationship with you. But when you've experienced a lot of trauma in your past and in your childhood, then and this is really where trauma bonding comes in it's well i'll talk myself out of my truths or i won't know what my truths are i'll let some things go i'll tolerate certain things because i want to be loved i want to be connected to i want to be good and what i what i will sacrifice is my own healthy boundaries here um because i don't trust myself fully because i've had so much trauma in my life right um And that's where you, and it feels backwards when somebody's been a victim of abuse and betrayal and all those things, but that's where your work is so important to be able to do your own trauma work, to get really clear with what your truths are, what your deal breakers are, what your boundaries are, so that in those moments of, well, I want to give in on this one, or like, "I, I just want him to love me so much that I'll tolerate him yanking my arm out of the socket or whatever. Um, you don't allow that to happen because you've done your own work and you are grounded and you have that recovery capital and you're strong. Right. Does that make sense?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I just turned 41 and I don't want to regret this because there's no should have, but I feel like it's sometimes it's like, Oh my gosh, really? My This type of work begins now when I feel mm-hmm. I already wasted eight years of my life with this person,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: you know, um, like now looking back at what happened, with my mom and I, absolutely. I was, we were both trauma bonded. You know, I was her emotional crush my whole life. So one of the things that stirred me the most this past three weeks was that there was a phrase for my mother. If you don't do this, we're going to have a serious problem. Right? So I was always a good girl. I was always the best person in school. The all the diplomas were for me. I was always carrying the flag for, you know, the marching people like Mondays back home in Mexico, you know, because I'm from Mexico. I was always the first to have A's and 10s because back home is 10s. And, you know, I just want to avoid a problem. And that's something that I've been meditating on where, OK, so if I'm going to have a problem with someone, which my philosophy of life is everything could be so much simpler and we could just all enjoy You know, I don't want to have problems with anybody. But with this person, the only thing was I had problems all the time. And you're exactly correct. Like I was just conceding. So I did not have any problems. But at the end, I had the worst problems I ever had in my life. Like it, it just backfired at me. And so I'm understanding that, that yes, I don't even know. Well, I'm starting to understand what my boundaries are. Um, Grounding has been so important to me because my mind tends to wander because I was also an abandoned child. My mom was working her whole life and I was left in everybody's homes, you know, while she was working. So I guess I developed a way of going in my mind somewhere, you know, and I I guess I fantasize about having a perfect place where I don't. Like, it's, it's okay to understand that you're in a good spot, not in a good spot right now. And I'm not I'm in one of the most terrible times of my life. I have to be honest.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Nikki, you you bring something up that I really think is important to hear and to understand and it, it, the way that you just did this was actually really impressive that somehow Brandon was talking about this and you connected the dots back to a belief that you learned as a child where in the trauma bonding that app sounds like your childhood I was full of lots of big trauma and inside of that there was a belief system that came out that said basically don't make waves like, like You, you you don't want to have a problem with anybody. And then that belief has carried with you into your adulthood. And this is what makes it so difficult when you actually look at getting breaking what would be a trauma bond, is that it almost feels wrong to, to do something different than what you were taught as a child. So to actually be able to tolerate some conflict through some the use of healthy boundaries and know that maybe that's gonna end up leading to you not being the solution for somebody else or not being not tolerating being treated a certain way, which might lead to a little bit of conflict or tension that not only is hard to do because of the conflict or tension itself, but it's it almost feels unnatural because the rules that you've been living by say that you're breaking all the rules. When in reality, it might be the healthiest thing you could be doing for yourself, even though it feels completely wrong.
2: And I became a rule breaker. That's the point. You know, I don't have a really nice, straight, godly path. You can't even understand what my life looked after. I left home when I was 18. I never wanted to look back. Then I moved to the farthest country I could move to, you know, and, you know, obviously I was with... uh, horrible times with a lot of men you know and i have always trying to find i don't know i have so many mama issues daddy issues that it's like i can see them now clearly it's just that i need the, the appropriate help from a professional which i haven't found you recommended someone you know because they all fire me <laughs> you know okay. it's like where do we start like uh,
1: but the, okay so, nikki why do they fire you
2: I don't know they just uh, the last one said you know the previous one said i just can't see you they didn't see it say anything and this one lately was just because i moved to another province so it's hard to keep restarting and telling everybody the same all over to 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 try and make sense of what i could do what are good tools for me like i've been crying out for help for like six years i have a compilation of emails that i've sent to people like help me and they the only people that have extended help It's from the podcast that I mentioned before, and I'm in a group right now, but it's a group like I haven't gotten specific psychological assistance for me. But
1: but what's at the root for you? Like, let's put your husband aside. Let's put the relationship aside. Let's say that that relationship is kind of a symptom of all of this stuff, right? What's at the root of it for you? What needs to be worked on? What needs to be dealt with and how?
2: Hmm. I think everything. I feel like a horrible person. Like I feel like a terrible person. I need to, someone to tell me this is what you're doing wrong.
1: Well, Okay. So so right there, that's not the answer because you're not a horrible person. You're not a terrible person, um, but you feel that way. Okay. So we got to look at why do you feel that way? Where does that come from? Let's keep digging here for, for a minute.
2: Because when you said you know, to break rules. That's what I do. Like I'm very fair with people and I follow the rules. Like I'm a good, just like, I like justice and following the rules.
1: Okay.
2: But I feel, if I feel that somebody has betrayed me or somebody has done something wrong to me, if, even if I've given them 307 times, seven, 70 times, seven times, then I go do the worst thing that I can do. You know? So, so either to, like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I I kissed a dude two two months ago. Mm-hmm. I felt awful. But why do I have to put myself through that? Yeah. Right? And there was another instance. There was no sexual stuff, but still there was something else, you know? Right. And so it's like, I don't deserve to put myself through that, but it's like, I still do it then. I don't know. Maybe I am a daredevil, you know, and I but, have had but- six car accidents. But, but,
1: but okay. All this trauma, the tumor, the car accidents, like this is all evidence that God's not happy with you and whatever, because you're a bad person. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of guilt and, and with that guilt leads to, well, I deserve it. I deserve all the crap that's come into my life. I deserve my husband treating me the way he's treating me. And that, you know what we could, we could dig and dig and dig. And the fact of the matter is, is from a very young age, um, you have gotten that message that you just like bad things happen to you. You do, like, this is what happens to Nikki.
2: Well, honestly, compared to the lives of many friends that I've had, actually a friend of mine told me you're the person that has had the hardest life that I've ever known. Right. Ever. So what does what does that mean about you? Well, she said, this is what she said, that I could overcome anything. But it's like, but don't you think that I've been putting a mask this whole time?
1: Mm
2: -hmm. You know, like just because I'm the friendliest, the most bubbly, you know, I can open businesses and have ideas. But right now, I don't feel like that. For the first time in my life, I feel like I can't do that anymore. Like, I'm like, no, this is real. Like, I don't I really don't feel like I can go back to oh, I can just get over stuff easy like I used to before you know right. like right now I'm actually grieving and I'm feeling um the full weight of what I've been carrying for me for my mom for my dad cuz I know everybody's trauma like I've been told their whole stories plus my husband's trauma you know so I I totally agree and I had a debate with with a sister about this you know about how I thought I deserved them and and they told me like god doesn't punish that way we reap what we sow, but God doesn't punish
1: like God that. doesn't punish that way.
2: Oh, I did reap what I sow, though, don't you think? Say that again. But I still reap what I sowed.
0: Well, so so this is what's tricky about that. And Brandon, you can chime in. It looks like I might have cut you off there. So No, you didn't. Okay. Okay. So um so in on one hand, did you reap what you sowed? If we could take the judgment out of it of you're a terrible person, in some ways, some of your choices have led to certain reapings that you don't like, right? But if we were to actually look at it from a broader, bigger perspective, this is where I think Brandon was trying to go with you. Not what your friend says about you, but what you believe about yourself because of the things you've experienced. There's a belief system that says, I deserve to be treated this way or have this happen or have this thing happen or have this thing happen because... If I make waves, we're going to have a problem. And by nature of being a human being, from the very beginning, a little child, you couldn't help it. And whether you made waves or not, you were treated in certain ways by your caregivers that led to a belief system that you must be bad because you were taught that from a long time ago. And then there's a reenactment that happens of those things over and over again. And the only automatic logical conclusion that anyone comes to is the belief that was planted in them from the beginning of I'm a terrible person. And this is the reason why I'm getting punished or I'm getting what I deserve or I'm, you know, whatever it is. And what Brandon, I think is trying to say is, is that maybe it's that belief system that could be met with understanding where that even formed in the first place with a ton of understanding and compassion instead of the shame and judgment that you live with on your, in your life on a daily basis.
2: Yeah, absolutely and it's hard to realize that the person that was, you know, I ha- I have it in a page here, the source of safety is also my source of fear. You know, speaking about my mother. Yes. Uh, because well, and, and look so- at what
0: look at what you're living now. You're re- you're replaying that thing in your relationships right now where the place where it should be the safest is also the place where you have the most fear. It's it's almost yeah. like a comfortable place to live even though it's a miserable place to be.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, my mother also would tell me you're very intelligent. You know, you're a beautiful girl. Like she would tell me positive stuff. But I've also learned from another book that I'm reading that that's also telling you, well, I don't expect a dumb daughter, you know, or I don't expect an ugly daughter. You know, it's almost like brainwashing the child to think the way a parent wants you to be. You know, because I could have been not intelligent and they could have been okay with that, because I remember kids in my school, they weren't so smart, you know, but the fact that either if you don't do this, we're having a serious problem. And you're also very smart, very intelligent. And this is like it's almost like I got molded to always do whatever she wanted at the time that she wanted. And I have multiple examples. So exactly what you're saying, I'm replaying, you know, in my marriage, what is what i what I'm accustomed to living,
1: you've been groomed to be what we call a caretaker. So what that means is that you you care you you take care of other people's feelings and thoughts over your own all the time because you're scared of the wrath of actually stepping up. And, you know, Nikki, like, think for a minute, I'm going to say something, and this isn't trying to rip on your mom or your husband or anything. But what if you have no clue? what love and safety feel like in a relationship.
2: I have no clue.
1: Like you have no idea because you've never really actually felt that. So if you have no clue of that, and so you're just going off of what it was like with your relationship with your mom or what it was like with your relationship with your dad, you're just doing what you've been conditioned to do to try to be in relationships. And Oh, by the way, this is like attachment issues everywhere. Right. So for you you to say, okay, I have no clue. I suck at relationships. Like that's where I'm at. That's the reality. And I actually like what you said about I'm divorcing my husband because we're going to start clean. I'd say acknowledge that. Like I have not been raised in a way where I'm healthy when it comes to relationships. So what I'm going to do is instead of trying to seek it out through men, or instead of trying to talk it out with a therapist about how horrible my mom was or whatever it is, I'm going to actually try to understand and look at this from a whole different perspective. What does love and what does safety actually feel like?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I'll give you a clue. I mean, I can, I can talk to it, but you can't really feel it, but like in a relationship, that's healthy you feel seen, safe, empowered, and understood as an individual. Like that's what you feel. You're not protecting anything. You're not dancing around things. You're not trying to caretake. It's like, I can be authentically me. And like that, they see me and they know me and they love me. That's the way God loves us, right? Um, That is not the way your mom loved you. Your mom, there there was like little tricks going on with that relationship. And she did that, by the way, because she has attachment wounds herself with the the way she was raised, right? We can get into all of that, but we're not going to get into that. Um, But she effed you up when it comes to understanding what love is, right? And So to just take a step back and say, you know what? I'm going to break this chain. I'm not going to love like my mom taught me how to love. I'm going to break this chain. And your husband is, you know what, eight years of your life and all of this stuff. He is a great teacher to push you over the edge of actually doing this work. Um, Thank you to him. Thank you for for sucking. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for coming into your life and showing you how broken you are with your attachment. Thank you. But you can either learn from it or you can perpetuate it in this relationship. Right. What do you want to do,
2: Nikki? No perpetual. The only perpetual thing that I know of is the life that God gives us. That's perpetual and his promises. But the stuff that we live in a day to day with our relationships, it can definitely change. It's going to stop. Yeah, it has to stop. Um, and I honestly, you you guys are a blessing because I've never actually heard that from anybody before. And it's true, it's true what you're saying, um, Brandon, like, like it has to stop with me. And in this past three weeks, I did put a big, big boundary with my mother and it made me feel guilty to the point of hauling and yelling and, and actually like crying from the pit of my stomach because it's like i can't i can't give you what you want all the time Good. you know i have to give to myself but it's Good. also what does the scripture say about parents you know she's also elderly now she's 75 so i feel awful i feel so bad by putting maybe, up
1: maybe you honor her by being honest with her and having boundaries with her maybe that's being righteous well,
2: that's what I told her. I told her, I want to honor you as the scripture say. And I think if I keep acting and behaving and accepting your behaviors towards me, the way that I had this whole time, because of course I, I set a boundary and then the whole attitude, like I used to live with when I was a kid came up, which is stonewalling refusing yep. to see me and like making faces or being hypocrite, like good morning, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And I I honestly, like, I've never felt this before, but I regressed when I was like eight and I felt so much compassion for myself in that moment. I'm like, I can't believe I lived this my whole life. No wonder I wanted to leave as soon as I could, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and and when I put this large boundary, we even got ill, we got ill. Like both of us, like she got really mm-hmm. sick, you know, because it's like the body's like and I have a big dictionary of what, you know, emotions, uh, the Encyclopedia of Ailments and Disease, you know, and it tells you exactly. And it's honestly textbook, mm-hmm. like she got a horrible cough because she can't say what she wants to say and instead yeah. of that, she's angry, you know. Um, I got a fool in my nose because what I'm around and the person I'm around it smells like it's something stings that I can't really even like smell in my own nose, you know? So it, it was pretty tough for me to understand what was going on for her not to. So mm-hmm. I did put a big boundary and I was proud of myself, but when she left, cause she just went back home, I felt horrible. I felt abandoned again. Can you guys re- believe that? I still remember her cell phone from 1990 of how many times I dialed it. Oh, wow. Wow! Of how many times I dialed that cell phone Because I was alone waiting for her To see when she was going to come back from anywhere You know so she leaves And I'm like okay she's, my mom's here And I want her to leave And my mind's like when are you leaving And then when she leaves I'm like oh did I do something wrong Like it, she's just supposed to live with me Like it's so confusing
1: Look you how know? Embedded, embedded the fear is mm-hmm. and This is it's, not
2: love It's terrible It's terrible yeah.
1: And maybe
0: the best work, this goes back to what I was saying earlier, maybe the best work you could have done is to get to a place where you lovingly set the boundary with your mom. And after she leaves, you go and you have that cry and you reach out to somebody and say, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm doing everything wrong again, but I know that I need to keep my self-respect. And then you have some grounding places where people can give you the structure to say, but look, like just like Brandon said, maybe you're loving your mom by giving her a chance to have a different experience with you before she dies. Maybe, maybe you're loving yourself now by treating yourself with respect enough to not be smothered by your mom or to need to be the person who answers your mom's questions about who she is as a good mom or a good person. And maybe the boundaries that you're setting are fueling a whole new belief system about what it means to be a good person. And and it's based more on the principles of the truth, true principles of things like personal accountability, respect, honesty, humility. All of those things are now being reinforced inside of the boundary you're trying to set, instead of the the old story, which is somehow you need to be an answer for your mom and all of her issues, and you should feel guilty every time she leaves you because that means you've let her down. I feel like I feel like we could be talking to Mother Gothel from the tangled cartoon
2: <laughs>
0: you, know, <laughs>
2: yeah. you know i don't know which one that is but <laughs> it goes through again with the trauma bond it is a trauma bond if, if the husband gets murdered when i'm six yeah. and i'm her, i'm the only child and the only source of love she used to tell me you're the little engine that makes my heart go you've been consumed i've been consumed this whole you, time you've been, my, you've been used you've been yeah used. exactly and i felt so Bad when I realized that this past so because, much
1: pressure, yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, or like, do you love me? You know, do you you don't love me anymore? It's like, why would you say that? Like, Ugh. Ugh. you know, like I've been trying to show you my whole life by being a good girl. How can you say these things? You know,
1: but but, but Nikki, come back to what Tyler was saying. Um, what you want to do is you you want to become conscious of it and you're getting more conscious of it of like you had a boundary with her. Well, what do we expect next? Right. We expect her to double down and try to break that boundary or guilt trip or whatever. And we expect you to have massive amounts of guilt and questioning. And so you want to be conscious of that. Oh, of, Oh, there that is. Oh, I knew that That's was coming pattern. There's the pattern. These systems are are, they run deep and there it is. Huh? Yeah. And then you want to, and this is why a good support person really helps what Tyler was talking about. You want to really heap on the compassion of like, yeah, it's okay that you feel guilty and sad and those things with holding this boundary with your mom. Um, and this is the right thing to do. Like you got the strength to push through this and not live in this pattern anymore. Um, and, and you can actually, a lot of this, Nikki, is you don't believe that your mom has the the strength and the ability to handle her pain, to deal with it. And so for you to say, no, I'm, this is mom's, like, I'm just being boundaried here. Do it, mom. I'm not going to fix this for you. Right. And it's the same thing with your husband. It's, you know what, when you hurt me or do these things, I have boundaries and I'm not going to then step in to try to fix this after you get the consequences of what you do you now need to deal with this as a man, as my husband, whoever, like you deal with that. And that's the part of love. I think that's really broken is you feel like you have to, it's, it is codependency. I have to overcompensate and take this on and sacrifice myself in order for our relationship to actually work. And it's going to be excruciating Nikki. I hate to tell you, um, like really stepping into these boundaries again and again, but you're going to get good at it and you're going to actually like it. Um, it's going to start to feel really good. Like, Hey, I can deal with like that voice inside that's saying like, I can't tolerate their, their you know, they're not accepting what I'm doing. I can't tolerate that. That's going to start to go away. The more that you just sit in it and you're going to realize I can tolerate this. I can deal with this. Right. I I can trust
0: myself too
2: yeah and it's also because i have become a rule breaker in terms of well if i don't like your rule or calling it out like i like justice a lot like i used to call my husband out all the time like i knew it wasn't right but he had a way of you know saying things and learning me back into this stuff um and with my mom i've been calling out her bs for a while and you know relationship is weird like that but she's also you know wanting to change and i told her look i can't do this for you anymore. What also, it's a heavy burden to me is living in a society that I come from in Mexico. You know, your mom gets elderly, she immediately comes to live with you. It's like, okay, well, yeah. what if I want to walk around naked with my husband in my house? Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. You know, like that's not for me. So it's almost like the people that I have as friends, they're they're doing this with their parents. And it's like, well, it's more expected of me because I'm an only that's child. Totally. My mom's a widow. Yeah. Like it's expected of me, really. God, is that what you expect of me? Like I've seen in scripture even the example of that lady that took her mother-in-law, like the guy died, and she took her mother-in-law care for her the rest of her life. But that's when I told my mom, like, you're 75, you're healthy, you have no arthritis, you have no illness. Are you really telling me that you want to be bound to a chair looking to Facebook all day, just waiting to live your life through me? That is that what you really want with your life? Like, I'm It hurts me to see you that way. That's what I said, Mm -hmm. you know, because I am able to call people's bullshit. What I wasn't able to do is actually action it immediately, like act act for myself, not just calling out the bullshit, but act for myself. And obviously I have regrets of not leaving my husband six years ago Mm -hmm. when I first had thoughts of killing myself. You know, like I've never thought of that before, not even when my dad died, not even when we found out that my uncle had murdered him. Not even None of this. Just with this person, I, I had thoughts of killing myself. Mm. I should have left that time, yeah. but I didn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I didn't. So that's that was my problem where I could I could see and discern the bullshit. But it was like I can't stand up for myself because I have no brothers or sisters to teach me how to do that. I was always submissive. I was always saying yes or no, like in a party would be like, oh, do you want some cookies? No, even though if I wanted the cookies, I would say no, just not, you know, to, to I don't know, to show something. I don't know. It's so weird, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. But I I think Nikki, this is, maybe this is something that I think you just illustrated though, that in what you just did with your mom, you acted differently than you have in the past where you not only saw it, you not only called it out the way you have in other relationships, excuse me, sorry for that, you, you, you actually took action this time. And, and I think that as you move forward, you're going to need to be able to see, call it out, meet yourself with compassion and take action and allow for your actions, whatever they are to protect your values To give space for others to need to make their choices and take action as well. And if we were to bring it all the way back around to the trauma bond idea, this is where Brandon started. If you're setting those kinds of boundaries for yourself and you're getting support to hold those boundaries from other people who know what you're working towards, that will create the space for your partner to actually do take action, the work. To take ownership for his life, his problems, accountability for his choices already in the relationship, and then go to work on becoming a better man without you dictating any of that. And if that happens, there's hope for the relationship, but it'll be done because he's choosing to own all of that instead of being dictated to the same way you were dictated to as a child. And and that's the work that you're in the midst of doing. I actually hear good work happening here. I just know, and I can hear it inside of you that it's tiring and it's hard and it's exhausting. But but that is that is the work that that is what is necessary to change these patterns that have been ingrained for your whole life, maybe even for generations. Right. Nikki, we
1: got we got to wrap up. But um, going along with what Tyler just said with this work, um. Do you really want to know yourself?
2: I absolutely. I think yeah. I'm a great person to be known, and I don't even know myself.
1: Do you want to trust yourself? Yes. Yeah. Do you Do you want to know your purpose more? And yes. th- th- there's There's something that you you're going to have to overcome, and it's this: um, yeah. instead of being what you should be for everybody else, for try, like you're always trying to figure out like what they want me to do or what I should do or why I should feel guilty or this or that. Um, and, and this is the scary thing is to just be just, just don't worry about everybody else and just be, but you have to surrender something. What do you have to surrender? If Nikki's just going to be Nikki, what do you have to let go of?
2: Uh, the rest of the ideas from the rest of the people. I don't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What, what they think about you, they might think you suck. They might think you're selfish. They might think you're wrong, stupid, whatever. You got to let go of whatever they think about you because does it, does it really truly matter? Does your worth, uh, is it contingent upon what they think?
2: I only care about what God thinks about me. Okay, That's the only thing I care for.
1: And God loves you unconditionally. God doesn't love you. Like mom loves you. God does not love you. Like husband loves you.
2: I don't know that that's, that's
1: yeah. it. That's, That's the work. it. That's you don't know that. When you know that, then you can surrender this over, like I'm saying. That's the work to do. Okay, Nikki, I I feel like we're we're scratching the surface. We could talk about so many other things. I hate to wrap it up so soon, but we are out of time. Thank, Thank you for coming you. on today.
2: Thank you so much. This was a blessing, and may God keep you safe and continue to make you a blessing for a lot of people because you're a podcast even though they triggered me a lot (laughs) um they have been a lot of help
1: awesome thank you Nikki.
0: it was a pleasure to visit with you today and and for those of you who are listening if this is impactful for you and you know people in similar situations feel free to share this with those who you might know as well